Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard. Wasn't the worship amazing this morning? Wasn't that heavenly? Wasn't that incredible? Can you give our worship team uh, an amazing hand? They do an amazing job. It is great uh, to worship the Lord. It's great to see you in the house this morning. If you got one of these invites, someone asked me at the door, is Christmas Day really going to be a pajama jam party? Yes, it is. And if I can talk my wife into letting me wear my Kentucky gear, I will have mine on, all right? So uh, you all just put in a good word for me, all right? Uh, We want to pray over these invites. Uh, We want to encourage you to take risks to reach the lost. You say, what does that mean? Uh, Invitation is risk. And if I go to somebody and I invite them, first of all, they're going to find out I'm a Christian because I've been, you know, maybe undercover for some time as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if I go to someone and I invite them, they may go, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. You don't certainly act always like a Christian. I go, well, I got great news for you. You don't have to. That's why I came to Christ in order for him to work in my life to make him who he created me to be. And I can assure you, I do not always act like a Christian. And I can assure you, you don't either, all right? And no one will. Now, that's not an excuse, but that's the truth. No one is completely, you know what a Christian is? Christ-like. No one is always Christ-like. So we're all in a journey. We're all in a process. And I want to encourage you that we have to get over ourselves and recognize that God wants to use us, broken vessels, to love other people into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you to invite somebody. We're going to pray over these, and we're going to ask God to anoint them. And I want to encourage you, even if that person says no. I invited about uh, 10 families yesterday, uh, and one of them, guess what? One of them said, we just might come. And so I'm praying for that. I'm praying that God uh, will help that person follow through and come and be a part of our services. And so will you join me? If you feel comfortable laying hands on your invite, uh, I just invite you to say uh, with me, Heavenly Father, would you please tell us who you want us to invite? You've already been working in their life, and as Rick Warren says, find out where God's at work and join him. So God, who in our network of relationships have you already been working in that you want to now say to us, Bob, Bill, Tom, Sally, uh, Catherine, whoever the case may be, whoever it is you want us to invite, in Jesus' name, would you give us the courage to invite them? In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children said, Amen. 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 Could I encourage you to share the service today to be a virtual evangelist? People start tuning in uh, at this time, your friends, your family members. It doesn't matter if they live in Colorado Springs. God wants to use this opportunity to speak into their life. And we want to say hi to you this morning. If you're watching online, if you're sick, if you're not able to get out, I want to say in the name of Jesus, we're glad that you've joined us. We're glad that you're a part of our service. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you would feel 
feel the transcendence of the Holy Spirit working in your life as he's working in our lives right here in this room this morning. Thank you for joining us. Have you ever longed for a gift, gotten it, and it wasn't what you thought it was going to be? Can I see your hand? Anybody ever experienced this? You wanted something? Yeah, just about everybody. You got it, and it turned out not to be what you thought it would be. Hopefully, that's not your spouse. Okay, I'm just joking. All right. Have you ever wanted something, didn't get it, but got something different, and that turned out to be better than what you wanted? Can I see your hands? That's pretty cool. I want you to know that the world was waiting on Jesus for 1,672 years, roughly, give or take. From the time of Abraham and Sarah and the promise of the Messiah that would come one day and save the world, they were waiting on Jesus. They didn't know it. He came. They were expecting a political superstar. He disappointed He disappointed. But if they kept watching and kept showing up to synagogue and to the temple, guess what they figured out? That the very thing they were waiting on, they didn't get. And the very thing they didn't get turned out to be better than what they were waiting for. See, because Jesus didn't turn out to be the super political hero that they were hoping for, but what he was was a suffering servant that delivered an eternal salvation in a way that they could have never imagined, a magnificent way. And so today, we're going to see, as we have seen over these past few weeks, we've talked about trusting the promise, trust the process, and now today, you can trust in the prophecies of God because Jesus fulfills every one of them, every one of them. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, Isaiah chapter 9, chapter 52, and chapter 53. And we're going to answer this question, what messianic prophecies did Jesus fulfill? Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And we'll come back to all of these. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase, his government, and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with, somebody say, what? Justice. And with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal the Lord of hosts will do this. No leader compares to Jesus. No leader compared to Jesus up until his coming, and no leader has compared to Jesus since his coming. So prophecy number one fulfilled, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. There's no counselor on earth who can counsel you like Jesus. Not one. 
Not one. We were in a teaching team meeting uh, on Wednesday, getting ready for 2023, and we were talking about how do you hear the voice of God, and how do you know it's the voice of God, and, and do you ask God to speak to you, and if so, when he speaks, do you listen, and do you do what he tells you to do? And then on the basketball court on Friday, one of the people that is on our teaching team, I play basketball with him on Thursdays and Fridays. And on Friday, he said, you know, it's interesting. I got up during that time and I went to get myself something to drink. And I just said, Lord, what do you want? How do you want me to say this as we get into 2023? And he said, it was shocking to me. God just said, I want you to do this. And it's interesting how simple it is. When you ask God to counsel you, guess what? He will. He will. God, you ready? If you will ask God to talk to you and counsel you, he will talk back to you. You ready? And he will make you look a lot smarter than you actually are. A country boy from Kentucky, let me just say something. I get to look a lot smarter than I actually am. The more I listen to the God who made me, the more that I stop and I say, God, speak to me, counsel me. You are the wonderful counselor, and I can at any moment in my life just say to you, I need counsel in this area, in these areas of my life. You are the wonderful counselor. You have come, and you want to talk to me. You want to help me with my life. Prophecy number two fulfilled. Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus is the mighty God. Now, I'm curious, and don't be embarrassed. I'd love to see your hands on this. How many people have ever hired a strength coach? Can I see your hands? Come on. Come on, don't, don't be embarrassed. I bet there's more. Anybody else? Do you realize, and I want to get the statistics right on this, that the health and fitness industry is a $98 billion industry? Health and fitness, $98 billion. It stands to reason that we're all looking for a little bit of mighty in our lives, right? That, that little bit of an edge that can get us over the hump, right? Dave, we were just talking before we came up about, you know, physical fitness, right, and sports, and I know you love tennis, and I know there's a number of people in the room that love tennis. Jenny, I don't know if she's in here, but she loves tennis, and uh, like there's all different ways that we love to engage in health and in fitness, $98 billion industry, and I want you to understand that the best strength coach in the world, his name is Jesus, And so when you go to hire a human strength coach, get one that wants Jesus on their team. Amen? Get one, that, and, you, and you'll have the most powerful strength team that you could ever imagine. 
As one person said, I was at a citywide event a few months ago, and he made a statement, and I've, I've thought about it ever since. He said, if there is no mental health, there is no health. Do you understand that in your life? That if you're not dealing with mental health in your life, there is no physical health. It's all tied together. If you're not dealing with mental health in order to be spiritually healthy, you have no, all of these things go together. God made us and wired us this way. And I want you to understand something, that the mightier you want to become will be dependent upon the mighty God who came and gave himself for you. And he wants to offer to you unlimited strength. He wants to offer to you unlimited resources in your life. This mighty God, his name is Jesus. No wellness training can compare to what he can do in your life. And so listen to me. Invite him on your team, okay? That's a winning team. And then invite other humans in your life to speak into your life, to talk to you about your health and about your fitness, I loved what John Piper said a few years ago uh, on one of my uh, summer breaks. He said, when I was in my about my mid-50s, I realized that I was going to have to make some physical changes in my life if I wanted to continue to be a pastor. Now, if you've never had the privilege of preaching, and by the way, this is my 18th of the last 19 Sundays to preach here at Vanguard. And, and you, do you understand the kind of physical toll, the mental toll, the emotional toll that that takes on a human body? You go, no, I'm not sure. I've also spoken 15 of the last 16 Wednesday nights. You go, do you want an award? Yes, I would like one if you have one. No, I'm just joking. My point is this. You can't continue to do what you used to do when you were younger and expect to get the same results that you got when you were younger. As you get older, you're going to have to make choices. And the choice is going to be, do I want to be fully devoted to who God has created me to be? And if I do want to be fully devoted to who God has created me to be, then my mental and emotional and physical and spiritual health have to come into play. And I have to understand that I am a servant of Jesus Christ, the mighty God. And so I have to go to him in a very practical way and say, Lord, I don't have the strength to do this. And so thanks to Danelle Smith, which you all may not know, she's an amazing rock star, uh, Danelle challenged us back in uh, February, actually it was the first part of March, to give up something for Lent. And so I gave up potatoes, sugar, and bread predominantly since the second day of March in order to realign myself, in order to do what God has called me to do in this season. You will not succeed in life because you think about what you used to be able to do. Did you hear that? You will not succeed in this season of your life because you think about what you used to be able to do. You have to live in the season that you're in. I am 51 and a half years old, okay? Tasha married a younger man, I know. That's supposed to be funny, everybody. Thank you. Every one of us have to make choices. What are your choices in this season of your life? Don't put them off to the next season and don't look back at last season and try to bring the victories of last year 
into this season. You serve a present tense mighty God and his name is Jesus. Prophecy number three fulfilled. Jesus is the everlasting father. You go, wait, I thought he was the son. Jesus is, and this is what the passage tells us, Jesus is the everlasting father. Now, when Jesus came on the scene and all the people that didn't like Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and he, they said, show us the father and we believe that you are the savior. And what did Jesus say back to him? If you've seen me, you've seen what? The father. And that's what this prophecy is fulfilling. Jesus Christ is the physical embodiment of God. And if you've seen Jesus, he said in his time frame, and I wish I could have been there for that. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. See, our earthly fathers begin and end. Do you understand that? Let's honor our fathers. Let's love our fathers. Let's respect them, but let's don't worship them. I want my five children to respect me, to honor me, to love me, but I do not want them to worship me. My job as an earthly father is to get my earthly kids to understand that my job is to teach them to love their eternal father and his name is Jesus. That's why I'm here. My fathering will begin and end, but Jesus is an everlasting father. And even when I'm dead and gone, if I've taught them to love the everlasting father, I've, men, I've done my job. I've done my job. Jesus is the everlasting father. Colossians 2.8, Paul says it this way, to see to it that no one takes you captives by philosophy or empty deceit, that is empty lies, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. For in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Did you catch that? I want to read that statement again. That is a powerful statement that ties back to the prophecies. For in him, Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. He brought it all with him. And you have been filled into him who is the head of all rule and authority. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. Prophecy number four fulfilled. Jesus is, you ready? The prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. Now look at this definition. Pastor Richie, uh, who wrote these, this series, he gave us this definition. Peace is not agreeing to disagree. It's not a reprieve from violence. It's not a break from fear. Peace is not the suspension of strife. It's the elimination of it. Jesus is the only path to true peace. I want to say that again. Jesus is the only path 
to true peace. Confucius, Buddha, Allah, Muhammad, other religious deities, you ready? They promise meditation and quietness, but none of them promise peace. Only Jesus promises peace. Don't ever forget that. And the reason why he promises it, you ready? Is because he's the prince of peace. He can deliver it. He can deliver it. And so wherever in your life you need the prince of peace to bring peace, say this to God. God, would you please unleash Jesus' peace on my life, on my relationships, on this circumstance, on my mind, on my mental state, on my anxiety, on my fears, on my worries, on my temptations, on my testings. Would you unleash peace on my life, the peace that passes all understanding, that guards my heart, my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And what that means is I don't have to understand what's going on around me. I've just got to know the one who understands it all. And do you know that peace? Do you know that Prince of Peace? All of us can pick a myriad of situations in our families, our friends' lives, our neighbors' lives. My neighbor that uh, is a part of our church here lost a loved one this past week. He needs peace in his family. Every one of us can call on God Almighty and say, God, we need the Prince of Peace in our lives. I don't understand. I don't understand why this circumstance is the way it is, but I don't need to understand. I just need to know that the one I trust understands it, understands it. Messianic promises, excuse me, prophecies promise Messiah will also be a suffering servant. A servant for you and for me. See, when Jesus came on the scene, there were two things that caught everybody off guard. See, leaders didn't serve. And not only did leaders not serve, leaders certainly weren't going to suffer for those they lead. And so when Jesus came on the scene, they wanted a political leader that would do everything they wanted him to do to triumph over all things in this world. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I came here to serve you. I came here to suffer for you. You're like, no, we got too much suffering. No, you don't understand. This is my father's plan. My father wants me to suffer for you because this world is temporary. And if I suffer for you, I will then enable you to reign with me forever and ever and ever. And they're like, oh, that's a great idea, but that's not what we thought. That's not what we thought Christmas was going to be about. I mean, this is the first Christmas. We need it to be about what we wanted it to be about. Isaiah 52, 13, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and he shall be exalted as many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. I want to encourage you in this season to do something practically. 
I want to encourage you to take Isaiah 52, 13 through 15 and Isaiah 53 that we're getting ready to read. And I want you to read it in your personal life during this Christmas season. And I want you to think about all the horrific things that have occurred in your life and think about it with the backdrop of the horrific things that Jesus endured for you and me. And I want you to invite him into the horrific suffering of your life and understand that Jesus is not on the outside watching your suffering. He has already been in your suffering and he is offering to you a peace in your suffering that comes through the wounds that he suffered for you and I. Amen? Isaiah 53.1. Who has believed what he has heard from us? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. And he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces. And he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Do you understand that? Even though he was doing this for us, we distanced ourselves from him and called him things that weren't true. But he was pierced for our sins, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us what? Somebody say it. Peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And he was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken by the transgression of my people, they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Pastor Fike wrote this message. And one of the things that he shared in this message is his seminary professor, because Fike's in, in taking seminary classes right now. Prior to, and you may find this interesting, prior to the coming of Jesus, Isaiah 53 was central to the synagogue. They would read this over and over and over in anticipation of the one day coming Messiah. But after the crucifixion of Jesus, true story, the priest stopped reading Isaiah 53 in the synagogues because it resembled too much Christianity that they couldn't agree with. They couldn't agree with Jesus. He was disappointing to them. They were looking for a political leader. And yes, when he returns, he will be a political leader. Don't let that be lost on you. Sometimes people say, well, you know, Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. Well, let me just tell you something. Jesus is going to. Jesus is going to. Now, how we get involved, that's a different conversation. God wants us to be involved right now 
as suffering servants like Jesus. And he wants us to engage the truth of who Jesus is in this big word, first dispensation of Jesus' first coming. When Jesus returns, he will bring the fulfillment of being a perfect political leader who will rule the earth with a rod of iron, the Bible says. He actually is going to have a tattoo on his thigh. It's going to say, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You say, where do you get that? It's called the Bible. Just read it. It's going to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he's going to be on the most beautiful horse you've ever seen in your life. The most beautiful horse. Look at Isaiah 53.10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was, he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Now, I want to take a quick poll. Is there anybody, and you got to love your son, okay, that's the criteria. Is there anybody in the room that's willing to crush your biological son for the sins of everybody in this room? Could I see your hand? I got one only begotten son. I don't want to give him up for you all. But see, the father gave up this most precious son. His name is Jesus. And he did for us what he doesn't ask us to do for each other. He made a sacrifice that he would never ask other human beings to make. He offered his son to us, and the Bible says that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Now, when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities, their sins. Now, listen to how the New Testament says it. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What joy is the Hebrew author referring to here? The joy that was set before Jesus to endure the cross was the joy of knowing that you and I could be redeemed through his suffering. Through his suffering. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus was the fulfillment. The Messiah will be the conquering hero. And look at this last passage, Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Brothers, may I say to you with confidence, this is the Apostle Paul who didn't believe in Jesus until he met him on the road to Damascus. May I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promises of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. 
For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Set at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day, look at that, about 3,000 souls. You know, it took them one day to accomplish what it's taken us 25 and a half years to accomplish. 3,333 people have said since last Sunday, I believe that Jesus is God. He died for my sins. And I publicly profess and declare that he's my Savior. To date, we've had no Damascus Road experiences. None. You say, what do you mean by that? Every person that has come to know Jesus has been on the arm of someone who said, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. Some of us have never had the privilege of leading someone to Jesus Christ. Maybe this season, this is your season. This is your season. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. You go, oh, I'll screw it up. I, gotta, I can assure you, you won't. You say, how come? Because you can't. You can't. You ain't that powerful. I'm sorry. And if you will make yourself available, God will use you in miraculous ways. And so I just want to encourage you I want to encourage you that the power of invitation is one of the greatest risks you could ever take in your life. And that is to say to someone, come join me. Come join me. Prophecy number five fulfilled. Jesus is the suffering servant. Your Messiah. Your Messiah. There's never been anyone like Jesus. I stake my whole life on this. I will stake my whole life on this. I will continue to stake my life on this. And I want to encourage you to stake your life on it as well. So much so, so much so, that you say to the Lord, give me eyes to see those you want me to talk to. Give me ears to hear the words you want me to say to them. And then give me the courage and the peace to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are worth the wait. And as we carry the weight, we enter into this season 
of remembering your birth. And it is from your birth to your death. We have a picture. You ready? Of what a perfect life can look like. We have a model to follow. We can look at his life. We can look at our Savior's life who fulfilled every expectation, every prophecy that the Father had for him. And even though the world was disappointed because he wasn't what they thought he would be, he didn't bring immediate gratification to their agendas. Because he understood that through the delayed gratification of his life, he would provide the means for every human being who's ever lived on the face of the earth to believe and to receive eternal life. And so, Lord, that gift lives inside of each one of us. And I know this is very simple. But you send us out to go tell the world where true peace can be found. And it is found through the suffering servant, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of all prophecies. And so give us the courage today to take a risk and invite others to experience what we've experienced in real relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's children said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.